But I don't feel like I'm in competition with the Marvel movies only because I think the way, um, and Chris and I talked about it a lot, and I think Warner Brothers really needs to, you know, stay with what we do. Like we, you know, after the Dark Knight trilogy and now this sort of restart of Superman, you know, we have a tone that we're kind of into. And it works for us. It works for me. And it works for, I think, you know, um, the DC universe in a different way than... Uh, it was funny because, you know, in the comic book world, the Marvel comics are the darker ones, and yeah, the yeah. DC was the, was the, you know, bright, uh, happier one. But it's, it's this weird thing that's paradigm switch, which is kind of fun. I, I like Welcome to Struggle Session. I am Jordan Haas. I'm Jack Allison. I'm Leslie the Third. And this is a very special episode of the podcast because it's April Fool's Day. Uh, and that means that we can do a silly bit where, say, for instance, uh, you originally had a comedy podcast with your friends, but people were busy with work and had a 10-hour Twitch stream called Kingdom Hearts 101 at twitch.tv slash HendrixTrog. So you were trying to compile something for the for Sunday, and the internet crashed, and your rambling nonsense didn't really work. So you decided, I'm going to spend uh, my Monday morning trying to compile a silly April Fool-style intro to get to a, a discussion about superhero movies by myself. Because those are always fun, the the lonesome podcast episodes. Oh, well. Uh, so, so uh, I went to the Warner Brothers studio tour uh, yesterday. I had a lot of fun there. Uh, I learned everything I've already learned in, in film school, but it's fine. Uh, so when I went there, I the, the best part is, I guess I would say, even though it's weird because, you know, leftism, but I like the studio tour. But I like most is the studio store. And that's probably because of childhood memories of going to the Warner Brothers Studio store and seeing that in the malls. You know, you can buy your polo shirt with Daffy Duck on it or the Tasmanian Devil on a denim jacket. It was kind of cool in the sign of the 90s. But it kind of came and went. And it kind of is, is showing me that Warner Brothers doesn't really know what they want to do. Because... Uh, after they kind of closed down a lot of these Warner Brothers studio stores in the malls, uh, they kind of made a whole lot of movies that could have easily had merchandise. What do you think about it? We were celebrating 20 years of The Matrix. They could have sold leather jackets and those sunglasses from The Matrix in those stores. Uh, Lord of the Rings was a big, powerful movie. You could have sold the One Ring as just the merchandise. Uh, Harry Potter is huge, and now you can buy wands, but mostly at Universal theme parks. You got Pokemon when they had the rights to the Pokemon movies. And let's not forget that currently Detective Pikachu is a Warner Brothers movie, and that's not even including the Dark Knight, all those Joker things they could have done. And considering the world of nerd culture has kind of moved on, and now it's a big thing that everyone is aligning themselves with, look at Disney with Star Wars and Marvel Comics... Warner Brothers really did screw the pooch on this one, and I know they're not going to be listening to this, but come on, you could have made a whole bazillion dollars just off these legacy film franchises without the need to reboot, 
without the need to you you know actually shell out that much money because it's all just retail. But oh well, they dropped the ball on that. But I had a lot of fun. They had Nightwing shirts and the Nightwing uh, hat and a Nightwing figure, and I only got a shirt because I have the hat and I have that figure, so it's okay. So the topic today uh, for Jordan Talks Titans is not really Titans. Uh, unless you count WonderCon, which I don't go to. I don't go to comic book conventions, typically because I have an anxiety of being in a place of large crowds. It's like a claustrophobia of large crowds. I'm okay with tight spaces. I'm okay uh, with getting lost. But it's that uh, large crowd thing. I think it's because uh, when I was a kid, I got trampled by a large mob once. Um, that was not pretty. And I guess that's just kind of something I should just talk to my therapist about. So I don't go to conventions, and there was a lot of news regarding every film franchise, every movie franchise you can think of. Uh, the, the one that I remember reading about is, yeah, it's Batman's birthday, happy 80th Batman. But conversely to that is, you know, it's just all marketing. It's all marketing by the, the Warner Brothers and the DC Comics to get you to buy Detective Comics comics. Uh, issue 1000 or go see their stuff and it, it's things like that that I just can't get interested in I, it is all promotional things and it's a way social media operates that we're all marketing we're all promoting and I don't like that it almost stifles the creativity in that way so I don't really get excited for WonderCon or conventions because it's all basically people under contracts to do a promotional appearance to meet the fans. But in reality, they got paid to be there. They don't, they could really care less unless, you know, they are past that phase of their contract and they need some money. Uh, look at any of these Smallville actors or anybody who's like a secondary character in one of these science fiction movies that they do the convention circuits. Yeah, it's paid autographs because, I mean, someone has to pay their bills. Welcome to the sad world of acting and Hollywood and the way that they can't really make ends meet. Oh, well. So they announced uh, over the week uh, Titans is going to have the Deathstroke family. And it's definitely not going to be the Arrow Deathstroke, so that's exciting. Uh, and they're introducing Jericho. And they're trying to make a big deal of the actor being uh, deaf and trans. And you know what? I'm, I'm all up for inclusion. Representation matters. But it's a mediocre television show. So I can't really pat it on the back. It's kind of like, hey, everyone is included if they want to be in a mediocrity world of acting. I... I I want to see where they're handing all this. It looks like they're doing Judas Contract, which is my favorite uh, of the Teen Titans comics, which I'm guessing is a lot of people's. So that's why they're probably going to do that for season two. So I'm interested in that, but I know it's Titans, and I know they're just going to fuck it up. But conversely, I have seen Doom Patrol on DC Universe, and I have been having a blast with that, where Titans has been rushed to production, and the writing is just beat by beat to get these plot points across, and they don't really care about the storyline. Uh, Doom Patrol seems to be the vert, the opposite. You get to have these well-established characters that are very fun and personable, and it's almost like a satire of Titans in a way because they're treating it uh, like Deadpool. Like it's it's all canny, almost fourth wall breaking jokes. Like, yep, this is a superhero show. Yep, we know we're filming in very cheap. Yep, we look at that special effect. Yep, 
That's a thing that's going on. It doesn't take itself that seriously, but I've been enjoying that because of the way they've been handling characters. I will have to say, of all of the representations of Cyborg, and this includes Teen Titans comic books, the, the Teen Titans ca cartoon, you got the Justice League movie, you, this one is the best Cyborg. I kind of dig this Cyborg more than any other version of the character, probably because they actually now have a theme. With Titans, the main story question was, what does it mean to have a family? With the answer being, well, friends are family. It's not the people that you that you say are your mom and dad. And, I mean, that's a that's a plot point that always exists in, in these continuities, and Titans was basically hammering that over the head with the nuclear family. And with season two, it's the, it's the Deathstroke family. With, uh, for Doom Patrol, it is... What do you do, like, how do you cope with losing the very thing you love? That is basically the story of Doom Patrol. You can't do the thing you love anymore, now what? For Cyborg, it's football. For for Clint, as Robot Man, he can't enjoy just the simple pleasures of his life. For Negative Man, it's relationships. So you get the storytelling of these these characters that definitely have flaws and it's not a chance at redemption for these people it's just a chance to move on how can you move on and that it makes it somewhat of an exciting show because a lot of superhero shows are MacGuffins or stop the bad guy in the arc and yeah they're still a bad guy they have to stop the arc but in doing so, there is something that's rarely in these superhero movies, and that's character development. And I, I kind of dig that. I dig that in Doom Patrol. With Titans, it's it's one character, and they're all very one-dimensional. It It's baby writing. It reminds me of Teen Titans Go, where it's everyone is one character flaw, and that's it. Uh, and you just have to, everyone just go into wacky gonzo land. With Titans, it's similar, but instead of wacky constantly, and it's everyone has to have depression. That's that's the that's Titans, and I I am excited for Doom Patrol, and I'm excited because the news broke out that they are putting all the DC comics on DC stream uh, the DC streaming service called DC Universe uh, up to one year ago. So that means I think lead up to the wedding will be the benchmark for that, which I'm okay with. I'm excited. For, for the news of DC Comics having every issue, because now I can go back to 80s and 90s comics I have missed. I can reread the entirety of Nightwing. I can reread the entirety of Detective Comics, because they subbrand the 1000th issue. That, to me, that's an exciting thing, and that is something I think DC Comics should be bragging about to get people involved with, with the comics. It is something worth marketing, the problem is most of their marketing is the easiest way to say it is awful. It's it's awful. Um, I used to be a fan of DC All Access because it, it almost was a behind the scenes of comic books and let's learn about the storylines and let's talk to the writers and the artists. And it slowly morphed into the DC television and the DC movies, and you don't really see much of the car, like the comic book creations anymore. It's almost now just a publicity tour to buy DC. It's almost like you're watching an infomercial. 
And we are now in a world of internet creation where we are not celebrating the products themselves. We're celebrating the people who consume the products themselves. We are celebrating the infomercial, not so much the product. This is like having a Ron Popeil t-shirt, in my opinion. It is awful. It is like one of those things where it's, I guess it's one way of, of coping when the economy is bad that, you know, you have to do something. And hey, if you're making money off basically getting excited for Star Wars or, or comic books or video games, sure, I guess go for it. But I just see it as phony baloney and really poor acting. That's just me. Uh, so I, I, I had to unsubscribe to the DC Comics uh, YouTube channel a while back because it was just corny and it wasn't even exciting i i'm not supposed to be i'm they're all they're supposed to do is drum up hype but we have moved on at least society wise where we can't just simply go back to the 90s and 2000s method of let's get hype everybody hang on before you go here's an exclusive trailer for this thing because that thing's gonna be on youtube there's no need to go to the convention it's E3. A lot of these people are, are unaware that E3 is, is on its faded breath. Because uh, you can see the trailers online. You can pre-order immediately. Some games are out that day because it's digital now. That there's really no necessary need for an E3. Not even on a consumer standpoint. Because originally the idea for E3 is to get like video game like publicists and video game store owners with the with the you know publishers and let's work out a deal let's get some sales done let's push out some copies before christmas so we can all make money with comic book conventions it's similar you're the comic book shop owner i have a comic book it's really cool and then some fans show up and they're like hey i like this character i'll dress up like the character that's cool promote the character i like that so what we're seeing nowadays is that conventions, as much as they should be havens for people to talk about pop culture and find friends and have a party, almost like one giant party, it's not that way either. From what I'm gathering, it's really just corporate. It's a corporate environment. It's, it's, it's like the Pepsi Presents Woodstock of of conventions and that and that's just not even including like the big things like san diego comic-con it feels that way with even local conventions as well and i don't know why i just dislike conventions but I, seeing that it, it just it leaves a bad taste in your mouth and and i'm not trying to blast dc comics uh, i'm not trying to blast disney because they do that with star wars and the celebration it's almost every convention and you i feel bad because a lot of times people are antisocial and they're just online and they want to meet these friends and they want to talk to their people that they've hung out like on on skype chats or discord for years and they're both going to meet up at the convention and that's a great place to hang out because hey a lot of cool stuff but through all of that is also you know artist alley and it's artists trying to you know sell their prints and it's actors and they want to sell their autographs and it's t-shirt people and they want to sell their t-shirts it's all 
basically bring money. It's basically what I'm trying to say. Uh, don't go to a convention unless you're you're planning on leave on on like losing 500 bucks at least because it's like Costco. You go for one thing and you leave with a dozen other things, and that's even including hotel booking and the panels and any of that. But it it it's supposed to be a fun experience and. I don't see that as, as fun. I see that as miserable. But then again, I also have claustrophobia of people, so that also could could happen uh, that way. So I didn't see WonderCon. I just read the news, and it's okay. Um, fine, whatever. But the other news that occurred, and this is what started the idea for this episode, is the Zack Snyder uh, phrasing of the get o- it, you get over it, Batman kills. And people are, got very angry at Zack Snyder because, uh, you know, Batman doesn't kill. That's that's his motto. That's his mantra. Batman doesn't kill. Batman hates guns. His, his parents got gunned down in Crime Alley. And he became Batman as, as retribution to fix the crime-ridden streets of Gotham. But uh, the, the thing is, though... Almost every incarnation of Batman breaks that protocol within the first two or three episodes. Because if you're going to do a Batman thing, he's a detective. So you could just make him like a detective. He goes around solving crews, finds the case, and that's it. But that's not exciting. We need explosions. We need gunfire. We need bullets. We need all sorts of things. So what you see is like a Batmobile with guns. Or you see a rocket grenade, and you see this heavy military tool set. Everyone assumes it's just the batarangs and the grappling hook, but there's not. There's smoke bombs. And then after smoke bombs, well, there's tasers. And yes, he does beat the crap out of people, and it's ultra-fascist. And a lot of people like Batman's uh, character because yay police, yay justice. But also yay we're beating up poor people <laughs> it's it's a weird thing i mean dick grayson is a cop and as we all know all cops are bastards so we we celebrate the batman legacy and we celebrate police states in, in this in the same process but Zack snyder was not wrong with his evaluation of batman kills in the most in the two recent incarnations of a batman which is Batman versus Superman Batman and in Titans. Batman versus Superman Batman definitely kills. What we see at this point in in his character, which I guess is going to be all negated and we're going to have a new character because Ben Affleck's done with the project and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is that we saw Batman that after the loss of a Robin basically lost the will to just have that, that will to just be fine with the way things are. He now, in in a nightmare scenario, he has a gun, but he also has explosives. He also has gunfire. At this point, this Batman would not surprise me if he shot down some parents in Crime Alley himself because he saw that those two parents were criminals themselves and totally ignored the kid that was standing there. And he's in tears, and that forms a new villain in an upcoming Batman Beyond comic. Boy, wouldn't that be fun? That's actually great writing if that was the case. The parallels of what Batman does and how he screwed up and now caused a new Batman to fight against Batman. That would be great. That would be a fun writing experiment. But that would not work because everyone has to love Batman. Happy birthday, Batman. 
so so when it comes to the Batman legacy, if it's not the Batman versus Superman Justice League Batman, this Ben Affleck Batman, we're looking at Titans now. The character of Dick Grayson left uh, Batman. And the original reason is, well, you have to ask for various reasons, is, you know, I kept secrets from you, but I kept it to Barbara because I trust Barbara more than you, all the way up to violence and how to discipline criminals, all the way to just bickering and arguing because, you know, Dick Grayson's grown up, he's an adult now, he doesn't need to be a child and be treated like such. Whatever's your incarnation, that's usually the typical reasons for Nightwing to flee. And, and, and it's a Bloodhaven story. But for this reason in Titans, his reason is because Batman's a murderer and Dick Grayson does not want to kill. So in this scenario, in this universe of Titans, and this is why it's on Jordan Talks Titans, episode three, is that Batman kills. We are alleged to believe that Batman kills in Titans and Dick Grayson doesn't want to kill. And he fears that he will be a murderer too. So he left Batman, and it, it becomes a crazy, crazy adventure uh, where it's him trying to find himself and not trying to be a murderer. Meanwhile, because it's TVMA and we want to be dark and edgy, we're going to have him say fucking shit and have blood all over the place, including a moment where a dude gets stabbed in the balls or gets poked in the eye with a batarang or sorry, the Robin Wang or whatever the fuck they're calling the R. Uh, the, 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 the Shuriken are, I don't know. Um, but it concluded with season finale of Batman did kill almost every villain in Arkham and Robin's trying to stop him because now he's a terrorist fugitive and it ends with Robin killing Batman. That was the big nightmare flashback. And then we cut to spooky face Robin what a cheerful ending for season one of of Titans, even though there's apparently another episode, and that's going to be the f season two episode one of Titans instead, which will lead us to the Deathstroke family and more fun stories, right? That's great, but it all will feel horribly rushed, and I am feeling miserable about how they're going to handle Titans, uh, considering I just watched Doom Patrol. So... In, in this interpretation, Batman kills. Now, th this is the story of why should we have... Should Batman kill or Batman should not kill? On one hand, I am... I hate to play centrist on this. On one hand, I think it should be that Batman does not kill. Because he killed... Uh, his parents got killed. And theoretically, if you're going by the mythos of that... He wants to make sure that everyone has a family and everyone has a place to go home to, even if they're a criminal. They deserve care. But there's always the hypocrisy of Batman where directors like to show action sequences and like to show explosions and excitement. And that's not just like in movies and television shows. That's also in the comic books as well. So you'll see Batman imply that he couldn't save somebody so they're dead and walk it off like well but couldn't save him oh well it's like no you're batman you're supposed to be a hero you didn't save the body you 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 stupid billionaire you we're trying to trust rich people in this and batman's crusade to be a superhero uh, is very deeply flawed 
So on one hand, I would like him to be someone who doesn't kill. But on the other hand, that would make for very boring uh, storytelling. And people don't watch Batman for, wow, what a great detective. They like him for the, oh, I like it when he throws the Batarang or when he punches Joker in the face. That's always fun. I like to see Batman punch people in the face. Always fun to see. And he has the big, big arms and muscles and big beefy things. That's why I'm going to go to the gym and wear the Batman tank top. I I think the interpretation Titans is providing is actually kind of cool. And this is one thing I, I after re- watching a bit of it again, actually will make more sense in the context of a Batman thing. If we go into it, we can say that Batman originally had the mantra of don't kill. But eventually, after years upon years of being unable to save people... He just said, fuck it, life isn't worth meaning. He has this weird slump. And now he will be willing to just not save people and let them die. And this includes criminals, and this includes uh, victims. So he's not a murderer. He's an accidental, like, uh, ally in, in the fight to basically murder people. So, uh, like, if, if there's a infight between two criminals, they'll let them fight until one's left standing and then fight that guy. That, that seems like Batman modern day is if it was a Joker versus the Penguin, for instance, and the Joker kills Penguin. We know that's that's probably not true, but Joker kills Penguin. Now Batman's going to beat the shit out of the Joker because now you've killed two burns with one stone through the eyes of the Joker. And that makes you the world's greatest detective, right? Oh, the Joker. He killed the enemy. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And that just and that's still awful. So what I like is if, if you have a flawed Batman, that you can have a better Robin in the process. So you'll see a Dick Grayson go, what the hell is wrong with you? You're letting these people die. I'm not letting these people die. And then it's, well, I want you to stay here and where it's safe. No, these people are dying and I need to help them. Fuck you. I'm out of here. That would make a lot of sense. Uh, and then that's when you introduce a Jason Todd, a Robin who is capable of murder. Because now you get into what is someone that Batman really would love to have at this moment, but would be really bad for his character, Jason Todd. So when you see the finally a death of a Robin, he finally caves in and has this ultra, ultra slump and stops protecting Gotham, which leads to a Tim Drake. And after Tim Drake, that's when you, that's when you lead into a Damian Wayne. Because uh, you need to have a Robin that always is a challenge to Batman. Much like in a Batman comic book, you have to have a villain that challenges Batman in one of his uh, attributes. For instance, Riddler is his knowledge. It's his. It's basically his detective skills. Because here's puzzles. For, uh, for Catwoman, it is justice. What is the gray area? That is Catwoman. Uh, for Poison Ivy, it's doing the right thing. She is an eco-terrorist. She wants to protect the environment at all costs. So you're Batman, and you're trying to do good as well. Is this good? Is that bad? For uh, Joker, it basically is the doing what you did. That's kind of why people seem to like Joker, is because he kills people, and he gives no fucks, and he's a nihilist. And Batman is a flip of a nihilist, at least in context. Sometimes, you know, writers suck it and they just say, well, I'm going to have him beat the shit out of people just for fun. He enjoys it. 
He's he's he really loves being in fights because he's addicted to drugs or some weird kooky thing. That actually Titans does an okay job at presenting a Dick Grayson in this context of if Zack Snyder is right and Batman does kill, well, in this version of Titans, Batman does kill. Wouldn't that be enough of a grounds for for Robin to flee and and try and find himself and later become Nightwing? So then when he becomes Nightwing, he learns from Batman's mistakes. How do you become a better vigilante than Batman, the guy who kills? That makes for a more exciting thing. However, it is Titans, and they're going to fuck it up. So what I'm going to see is they're going to have Nightwing show up, and he's going to just start killing people like Batman. And it's going to be one of those things where Rachel, because oh, it's Raven, or Starfire go, No, don't kill the people, Nightwing. And he's going to be like, Ah, oh, fuck you, I'm going to stab you in the tummy, blah, blah, blah. And then you're going to see them f- flee Nightwing. And that's going to spark the spinoff series, Nightwing, but keep Titans as it is. So they can introduce, I don't know, a, a Green Lantern or uh, probably a bunk, Bucky, a Bunker, Bunker probably, or uh, uh, they'll just uh, keep doing Hawk and Dove something. That'll be your season three twist or season four when they want to have a Nightwing spinoff. Because you know they will. Uh, so so for Batman, does he kill or not? It really is up to interpretation. On a moral standpoint, yeah, he should not kill. On a theater standpoint, on a storytelling standpoint, it makes him flawed and a hypocrite by doing so. And yes, that will upset you, the the audience, because what the fuck? Batman doesn't kill. But isn't that a great engagement? Because now you have that same anger as would a Robin, as would Commissioner Gordon, as would all sorts of people who trusted Batman. Oh, I trust the Batman. He won't kill a buddy. He just is a crime fighter who's protecting us. Now he's a killer. What do you do? That is a flawed dynamic that I enjoy. And I'm excited for that. But... I'm more excited for the comic books of DC streaming than I am uh, season two of Titans. And I really prefer Doom Patrol over Titans. I've already said how much I don't like Titans. But uh, that's my take on Batman right now in, in the Zack Snyder discourse of, oh man, Batman, get over it. Batman kills. Uh, like, yeah, I get it. Because, you know, Zack Snyder's an edgelord and he's making the fountainhead. He loves Anne Rind. We get it. Yeah, he's he's a he's not a real good person himself either. But he is right about this scenario of Batman being a flawed character and when directors interpret Batman, they do things that put harm into extras. And by extras I just mean like citizens of Gotham City. Cause at one point, what if the Batwing crashes and hits somebody? <laughs> what if uh what if uh, the 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 bomb goes off and batman couldn't save the day huh well then what happens we never explain because it's cartoony it's batman it's something for children it's a children's thing it's for kids and i'm a grown adult i'm 30 (laughs) but i still enjoy it because it it gives it's supposed to be storytelling and and at least with nightwing the reason i enjoy nightwing is because typically 
in the Nightwing storylines, it's a character about a guy who's constant change. It's a guy who's constantly evolving. A guy who's evolve and makes progress. He is the he is the progressive superhero, even though he's just the 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 uh, another like well, I means Romani, but it, it's the whenever they want change they want to innovate they will leave it to nightwing to do it so he should be the one with the cool tech he should be the one that is better than batman and i like nightwing because he's a younger batman he's snarky he's sarcastic but when i say snarky i'm gonna keep reminding people this because i've been i hate snarky snarky snark snark all the time a lot of people do that online and it now leaves me annoyed like I, it's it's some reasons why I don't watch a lot of panel shows. It's because the idea of a panel game show. Hi, this is a game show. I suppose now, the idea of a game of panel game show is to get comedians to tell quips like in Hollywood Squares, but then they offer a factoid so you, the audience, learn something as well. That's why my QI is fun. That's why have I got news for you is interesting. Or wait, wait, don't tell me. It's let's get you updated on the news and let's tell jokes along the way. But when it's quip, 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 joke, 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 it's just awful. And a lot of online people do that. And it's just, uh. So when it comes to the, the jokes, when it comes to silly, silly lines, uh. So when Nightwing quips, it's always at a time when it's he needs it to cope. And that's something worth, like, addressing. And that, that's something why I really enjoy that. I really enjoy the nightwing character is that it's fun people say he's dc's answer to spider-man but if he was wouldn't he be in a lot more things i don't think so he, he he's kind of in the back shelf he's the sidekick still and with the modern uh nightwing comic book where he's trying to be rick grayson taxi cab driver it's been about seven months now at this point and it is still the worst story I have seen. And originally, I thought they were going to make it a really fun story where it's, okay, so Nightwing gets shot in the head. He doesn't know he's Nightwing. He forgets he's Nightwing, and crime erupts. And he's trying to rebuild himself and pick up the pieces so he can become Nightwing again. If it was that, that would have been a great story, and it would have shown development. It would have shown character growth, and it would have been a great fake amnesia story instead we had this awful story where it's well i know i'm nightwing so i'm gonna just burn everything fuck you everybody and then as like writers change it's conveniently like oh actually this is fun and i was nightwing and i'm gonna help the people out because this city needs me i'm gonna be a good person it's like that's a flip opposite of this issue. This is horrible stuff. And it's still going. And it's it's not a good comic to read. And it, it's one of those things where I did put it off uh, the shelf. And I basically am uh, acquiring it through uh, not giving them money means, shall we say, dot .cbr. Uh, I... The Nightwing character is always fun to me because it's someone I can relate to. I can relate to the Nightwing character in a multitude of ways. I've explained that in earlier installments. 
But seeing the Nightwing comic book as it stands, I don't see myself in that character. I don't even see change in that character. If Nightwing is the character of everlasting change and always the progress uh, character, why would this character just end up just being a drunk and sleep in a bar in a taxi cab? It didn't have memories that are erased, but then sadly remember it, and then oh, I remember that. It it, it makes no sense, and I I find that a, a really ridiculous comic book. Oh well, I I think it could get better, but I think DC Comics doesn't know what they want to do at this point. I think once again, it's something worth addressing, and I'm going to say this now expansively. Superhero movies, much like comic books, much like everything else, is a commodity owned by now a big company with shareholders. And the whole idea of shareholders is to keep having gains, keep making more money. They don't like it to plateau. They don't want their stock to plateau and just remain even and just have that lose one, gain one, lose one, gain one. They want it to always go up, 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 up. So the way they do that is now, because these are all supposed to be creative fields, Rather, it is a comic book. Rather, it is a superhero movie. Well, I guess we'll just say movies in general. Is It's creative fill. These are all supposed to be creative gigs of creative people. And speaking f- for on behalf of people I know online, there are a lot, a lot of creative people out there. A lot of funny comedians, a lot of funny writers, a lot of talented artists. And they make these great stories. And unfortunately they get buried by rehashing old products or rehashing the same stories that you've heard millions of times before think MacGuffins. what you see is risk advertisement and i'm going to keep saying that these are companies that are just playing it safe they don't want to take the risk because these are movies that they're going to invest $200 million on, and they want to see a return on their investment. So we celebrate Captain Marvel. Why? Why are we celebrating Captain Marvel? I, I get it. Maybe you like Brie Larson. I like Miss Marvel more myself, but we see a Carol Danvers, and it's a 90s retro piece, and it's a silly, quirky movie. Fine, It's a fine movie. It's okay. But the marketing for Captain Marvel, especially in terms of the alt-right circles, love to focus on the fact that it's a woman and she should smile more. And these are all pieces of shit. But because there are pieces of shit that are critical of the fact there's just a mere woman on it shows that there needs to be this inclusive environment for for superhero movies and, and, and other movies in general. But... It's a mediocre movie. It's it's okay. It's fine. It's another Marvel movie that's going to make billions of dollars. And it's going to be a political movie because now women can be superheroes. When just a couple years ago, we had Wonder Woman. When we see superheroines in the days of Xena and, and Charlie's Angels, even though I guess you can say Charlie's Angels is a little bit sexist these days, if you consider Charlie as the leader. Um... I, I don't. I see it the opposite. I see the angels as the ones in charge, but that's just me. Uh, so, so what what I see it as is 
similar to when I see it like listened on struggle session or discussed elsewhere is it's we're celebrating the very company that puts the choke on you from when you be able to breathe. Finally, there's a black superhero with Black Panther. Yeah, that's great. Hooray. Black Panther. Woo. But why did it have to take this long? Disney had the rights. They could have done that in year one or year two or year three. No, they did not. So when you're celebrating a Black Panther movie, it's a political ploy where you're still giving Disney the very money just to show we need to do it. We need to have the relations. We need to have the we need to have the audience. And that's important. We need to have that representation there. But you're doing it at the expense of the industry that is responsible for that. Why are we celebrating Disney for finally having Captain Marvel when you asked for Scarlet Witch, when you asked for Black Widow for 10 years, and they gave you none of that? And then when you had them in the movies, they had some really bad lines. You want to talk about like the the the, the way they handled babies? That was that's something. So for these movies, I get it. You want the representation. We need to see that, and it is inclusive. And I guess uh, it, it is a successful film franchise, and everyone should be in a mediocre superhero film franchise. But I don't like it. I don't like the the way we are handling the issues of inclusive and diversity. When when you do diversity, you should just go into it uh, expecting backlash no matter what you choose. That's the way I look at it. Expect backlash no matter what you choose in this movie. Ben Affleck was Batman. There was a lot of arguments. Uh, Brie Larson is Captain Marvel. A lot of arguments. So the way I look at it, fuck it. Do whatever the fuck you want. Put whoever the fuck you want in here. I don't give a shit. Make Batman black. We need to have that. Let's get the back. Or you can do Batwing. Whatever. Uh, but if we're going to keep giving the voice to the white supremacists out there and the neo-Nazis, you better make sure they keep getting angry and angry and angry because that's going to keep flooding the gates and keep making this political divide. But the more vocal they are, the more you can read into their behavior as to why it's awful. And that's when you got to keep doing these things. If you can keep wiling up the white supremacists and these Nazis by keep including characters, you're winning. Trust me on this. You are actually winning because all it's going to do is keep causing a division. And that division is necessary so you can rule out the bad, toxic people and keep in the good people. However, 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 that is in the ideal scenario that I recommend. You keep pushing away the Nazis by having diverse characters and not making a celebration of finally we have a character that's this. Because, hey, Marvel movies had a lot of characters that are this way and you made them secondaries or they're just the best friends. You can make them the leads. Make them their own spinoffs. Have their own film franchises. Have their own Netflix shows. Whatever works for you. You have Disney Plus now. Give them their own $2,000 an episode cheap web series. What they're not going to do is that. Because 
even though it is optimal that you get rid of the white supremacists and neo-Nazis and keep inclusive and keep uh, having representation, rather it's trans, rather it's gay, or it's bisexual, rather it's Romani, rather it is Latino, rather it is black. You can have all these characters show up and be superheroes, but they're always going to get reactions. And if you're doing risk advertisement, and I'm going to keep saying that, you want to be adverse to risk, you want to play it safe the most, you're going to have to you kind of have to reach somewhere in the middle and create a character that the white supremacists might identify with. So what they're going to do is they will have awful, awful storylines where there'll be white saviors, where there will be characters who, who will die within the first five minutes and they were marketing the fact that they were the first, uh, let's go with uh, Filipino lead so it's the here's a filipino superhero and then in 10 minutes into the movie they're dead well now we have to avenge the guy's death so here walks in a chiseled white dude played by a guy named chris and people are going to be excited now because hey superheroes are back hooray i don't like that I don't like that we have to cater towards the largest majority of people these days. And it annoys me to no end that we're having Captain Marvel and Black Panther just as a way of just having, and I'm going to say a token. These are just tokens still in my mind. They're not like the big deal as it were. Like to me, like the Jordan Peele movies are more of a big deal if you're going that route. Black Panther, sure. A Captain Marvel, okay. But they're now just going to be called the black superhero or the lady superhero. And it, they're just superheroes. They're just superheroes. They're just there to save the day. And it's a comic book franchise. It's an adaptation based on works by comic books from 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. And we don't treat them as such anymore. We treat them as commodities and IPs that we can sell and market them so we can sell lunchboxes and t-shirts and hats and Funko Pops. And Warner Brothers screw that up by not having their own store that sells the Funko Pops and t-shirts. See, we're gone full circle. That's where it's going for. <clears throat> what we see these days is risk advertisement. So for every Marvel movie, for every Star Wars movie, for every live-action Disney movie, for every movie that's based off a novel that you barely read, it's a young adult, you're, you're wondering, why is that made? Why is that existent? And the answer is because it brings the maximum returns on their investment. That's it. There's no such thing as creativity in Hollywood anymore. The creativity is online these days, and it's not on Netflix or Hulu, it's on YouTube. And as you know, YouTube is a vile, toxic environment as well. So you, what you see is a lot of television shows trying to be online. Uh, I hate to go into game shows, because I have a game show podcast for this, but to be a successful TV game show these days, you need to either be a foreign format, so when the guy pitches it, he has a, his 
his safe because it's because ri- it's not risky. It was a hit in Canada. It was a hit in Australia. It was a hit in Japan. It was a hit in the Netherlands. A hit in Israel. It has to be a hit here, even though different countries have different customs and different, uh, you know, d- d- different uh, way- cultures. It's different cultures, not American culture. You also have people who will make a game show as a remake of a familiar format, but the ones that are successful, at least currently, have celebrities because they want to promote their things. This is all promotional things because Welcome to the World of Jimmy Fallon, where you see celebrities do silly things so they can plug their thing. Hi, from the movie, let's go play a trivia game. That That's... That's modern day. So now let's do that, but with Hollywood Game Night, with Pyramid, with Match Game. Those those are the remakes or, or original formats. It's celebrities playing games. Not so much things with civilians, although there are games with civilians, someone in there. I'm reminded of Hip Hop Squares and the upcoming Nashville Squares, where it's celebrities playing on behalf of contestants. So the contestants have no interaction with the celebrities. They're just sitting on the sidelines. That's that's the new wave of game shows. And it annoys me because I'm more in favor of civilian contestants. We also see, if it's not those two, it has to be packaged because everything is a package these days. That's what the writer's strike is fighting about. The writer's guild is fighting over packages with agencies. And that's going on right now with game shows. Is original formats uh, don't get picked up unless, of course... One of the EPs is a big A-list celebrity. For instance, Rob Lowe for Mental Samurai or Justin Timberlake for Spin the Wheel. They have to be the big stars. It's the only way to sell it because, look, we got the package we can advertise created by this guy. When it's not, it's really going to be some other guy who created the game. And then his company got pitched to it, and they are going to make maybe 5% off the budget of the show. Well... Rob Lowe or Justin Timberlake will make 20%, for instance. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a really awful world of creativity. So what you're seeing in game shows, you're going to see in modern-day television shows. Well, we got to do something for online content, so we got to do something that's safe. Um, how about a sitcom involving friends who get together, and, and they are silly, but none of them are have any ethnicity. Unless they are the secondary character, and then we can do all of the fun racist jokes that we wanted to since the 90s because we can't grow up. Or you do a funny crime drama involving cops, or funny drama involving lawyers, or funny drama involving a hospital. That's all the stories you could do, I guess. It's the emergencies, because, hey, every episode's a new emergency to fix, solve. And then if it's not that, it's, you know, the good place. Okay. Yay, the good place. Hollywood is creatively bankrupt. But they are aware of this. They're playing it safe because, to them... It's the shareholders. It's the money. That's not to say all of movies, all the television shows are bad. For every bad movie, I'll say 9 out of 10 of them are that. One of which is experimental enough that it might end up having a base. 
where would Jackass be if it wasn't for Jeff Tremaine and Big Brother Magazine? Where would It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia exist if it wasn't for Charlie Day's YouTube video? And I guess girls, but eh, girls. Eh, Lena Dunham. Eh. Where would it be if it wasn't for these shows? There's always someone willing to take that risk, but it's a very very big risk and a lot of these networks are unaware that everything's on demand and there's time skips and not a lot of kids watch things at five o'clock these days so they're going to put it at night thinking oh they're going to be up at night no it's on demand if you can just put all the episodes up right now and binge it sure otherwise make it once a week on tuesdays like you would a youtube video because that's where they need to be going some of these companies are well aware of that and they're trying to take that precaution. I look at I look at HBO and I look at anything with an on-demand service where immediately after the TV broadcast, it's immediately up there within minutes. That's all you have to do is have that on-demand service. And the TV shows have to create something like that to compete in the online sphere. Online Sphere is trying to be television and movies now. You're going to get YouTubers making movies and TV shows for their YouTube channel like YouTube Red. And all of them, everyone I have seen is awful. You know why? Because YouTubers are promotional vehicles. They are not themselves. They are characters of themselves. They are going by their username. They're not like... Uh, it, for instance... Felix is PewDiePie, but if you ask Felix, well, I'm PewDiePie is not really me. I'm Felix, and when he's on camera, I'm PewDiePie. That that's where you're seeing things. And yes, I'm well aware PewDiePie is a horrible, horrible person. But you see that with almost every YouTuber, especially ones that are dipshit centrists. Well, they're a character. My original person really thinks this way. And imagine if those people, as their characters, have to be doing movies and television shows as their characters. It's almost like really bad stand-up comedy. It's the it's your your Jeff Dunham's, your Jeff Foxworthy's, your Larry the Cable guys of the world. That's YouTube. It's just here's a guy going, "Oh, can't believe what a crazy thing!" Ring the bell, honk honk. It's it's a horrendous place, YouTube. And then there's the comments section, which I've already established is also really bad. So, if movies are trying to compete against the internet, they're doing a horrible job because they're risk-adverse. And the internet is not risk-adverse. You can watch anything you really want to. You want to watch backyard wrestling videos? You can. If you want to watch a five-hour Twitch stream... Of a guy screwing up a simple slider puzzle, you can. If you want to watch reruns of cartoons from your childhood, you can. If you want to listen to a podcast where a guy drones on about Batman, I guess this is the one. But not a lot of the movies and television shows will be able to do that as risk adverse. What if... Well, I can't say something is bad. We might have a guest on. We might have this going. So we got to keep pumping, hyping, hyping, hyping. But on the internet, 
Whereas on television film, everything is great, everything is golden, by everything it's great. The internet is the opposite. It is the negative format of that. Everything is bad. Everything is toxic. Everything sucks. This is bad. And you can't uh, do anything right. And you just end up depressed and nihilistic this way. It's horrible. Also, geez, I just got a shiver. And I feel like I got a ghost. Neat. Uh, so if the internet is a dour, awful place full of toxic people, but there's full of risk and a lot of risk taking. And if you find it long enough, you'll see that great thing that you enjoy. And the television is everything's great, but everything's so boring and bland. And it doesn't matter if it's on network television or cable. It's bad. You are stuck in the middle. You, the listener, me, we are in that center circle. We are stuck in a world of, well, I guess I can go see Captain Marvel. I guess I can go see Titans. I guess I can see this show, that show. And social media is just the pumping machine to promote that. YouTube is just the promotional vehicle to promote that. And you can't really come up with your own opinions on whether things are good or bad because, well, what the hell do you know? It's, it's, it's a commonality. People have bad taste in things, and then you get reminded by that really weird webcomic with the guy pinching some dude's lip saying, shh, let people enjoy things, or don't yuck my yum. And in some ways, I could see that. Like, if someone's enjoying a movie and they want to talk about how they enjoy the movie, yeah, let them enjoy the movie. And it's tough. It's really tough, because then you have the negative people, and they're always negative, negative, negative. And sometimes you wonder if it's just a character or not. So at the end of this episode, because I just want to make this like a quick hour-long thing, you have to figure out that regardless of if you're just an always online dude or someone that watches television shows and movies just for the sake of living the classics as it were uh, that time always moves on and creativity should be in your hands so ultimately i think if you are a talented person if you want to draw you want to write you want to act you want to direct try and find the grounds trying to find the time to do that more than consume these products instead of listening to the podcasts and watching the youtube videos of your favorite DD podcast why don't you play DD? why don't you have friends to play DD with why watch true detective season nine or the walking dead and then the follow-up talking show with chris hardwick when you too can make your own zombie movie Keep creating. Create creativity should not die. And what we're seeing here is things not made with love, but rather pocketbooks. And things made to spite, also for pocketbooks. The economy sucks, and we can get better. There is no closing theme tonight. I'm just simply going to say, please... Uh, enjoy the rest of your April Fool's Day. Uh, 
I will probably record an actual episode tonight for for immediate release. Who knows? Uh, but seriously, just just write, draw, create, get it out there. Doesn't matter if it's bad. If it comes from the heart, it'll. That's what matters. Create from the heart, not from the pocketbooks, as it were. But yeah, you can make money off it too, and that's I guess a plus. <laughs>